0: How many of you grew up with a favorite in the family? Go, keep your hands up. Go ahead. Keep your hands up. Some of y'all are the favorite, okay? That's why you don't know. That's why you don't know. Yes. All right. How many of you, let's change the question. How many of you grew up as the favorite in the family? Brian? Brian? No not- <laughs> we got a front row of favorites over here. Wow. Everything goes through you. That's what happens. So let me ask you this. Who is the most functional part of your family? Randy? All fingers. Now, Okay. Now, hold on. Hold on a second. I said, who is the most functional part of your family? Everyone here pointed to Randy, and Randy literally went like this. Like, he didn't even know who he was pointing to. <laughs> he just didn't want all the fingers on him. Beat down. <laughs> He's, beat down. He's beat down, he said. <laughs> who else? Who's the most functional part of your family? Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> who else? Oh my gosh. Can I tell you something? That does not surprise me in the least. Who else? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Scary. All right, let me ask you this. Who is the least most functional person in your family? Oh! She's not even arguing. She's not even arguing. She's just over there laughing like, yeah, yeah, it's me. Could show, somebody show me how to get out of here later? <laughs> Anybody else? Wesley. Wesley. In my family, it's probably me. Most likely it's me. No, Brad. It's not me. No. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> Jackie's my favorite. Jackie is now my favorite. How many of you, how many of you have a sister? Raise your hand. If you have a sister, yes. How many of you have a sister who's dating a guy? Raise your hand. How many of you have a sister who's dating a guy who's here today? <laughs> oh yeah, that's not really dating. You guys are locked in. <clears throat> uh, how many of you, right now, have a sister who's dating a guy who would like to know what his intentions are? With right now, right now in front of, right now in front of everyone. How many of you? How many of you have a sister who's here today who's dating a guy? who you would like to know their intentions and you have a microphone. How many of you? <clears throat> JD, come on up here. You've been here before. Yeah, you know how this works. Oh, you don't, you don't. That's great, because no one else does either. There is no plan for this. Just checking checking. Can you all hear me? Everyone can hear me. Uh, Please use the microphone we can not hear. We would, JD, in all seriousness, we would just like to know what in the world you see in Jackie because I... I have lived with her for a long time, and I'm telling you, it's not easy. All right, all right, sit down. All right, that's enough. I won't embarrass you anymore. Sit down. No, seriously, this is mean. Go ahead, sit down. Go ahead, sit down. That was your opportunity, man. You passed it up. You could have said bad things, and everyone would have forgiven you here. Well, not, not everyone. Turn in your Bibles. First Timothy chapter three. Here is the, the truth about family. Family is sometimes very difficult. Family embarrasses you. The truth is, I have known JD for a long, long time, and there is twenty nine years. Yes, I'm older than I look. It's okay. I did. I got a gray hair this month. I got a gray hair. It's in my beard. I won't pluck it because I only have about four hairs down here, Steve. So I'm not, I'm not. Oh, thank you, Jack. <laughs> then you're the oh, sorry. No. <clears throat> so what we're talking about is the fact that here are a group of men and women who are disciples of Jesus Christ who have become family. They have gone through things that have brought them together and brought them Tighter. There's a reason why flowing from that tradition we today call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a reason why coming from that tradition we look at each other and we talk about things like intimacy and we talk about things like vulnerability and we talk about the idea that you have to be open and present in your moment so that people around you can learn from that and be a part of that and can adapt to their situation because of what Jesus has brought you through. We talk about all of those things because the most fundamental part of being brothers and sisters in Christ, of gathering together in one place, is that you understand that we are indeed family. And we talked about the fact that even in our relationships, there are moments that Scripture tells us that we must mourn with one another. But there are also moments where we must rejoice with one another. Why is that? What is the purpose of that? Why are we doing that? Well, it starts in 1 Timothy 3.15, and it says this. I'm writing this letter so you will know how things ought to go in God's household, this God-alive church, this bastion of truth. The first thing that we have to recognize and understand is we are not the first people. This is not the first generation generation. That looked at themselves as God's family. It is in Scripture. The church is God's family. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's some things that we have to automatically understand. The first one is that we're not all going to get along, not everyone wants to do church like you do, or that thinks that church should feel like you think it should feel. Not everyone is going to want this color of wall or carpet or chairs that are these, this uncomfortable. I have been in churches that argued about things like pews and worship songs and how long the pastor should preach or what it should sound like. I've been in churches that held votes for things as simple as what kind of candy we should give out. And we can laugh at that and mock at that, but the truth is that that's family, right? That's, that's what we tend to do. We, we bring importance or we bring value to things that are completely invaluable. And we take value away from things that we should give complete value to. And so the one part of, of, of value that we cannot take out of the church is the family, is the fact that we are to be here together, is the fact that We stand up here and we tell moms and dads with brand new babies that we will be there with them and support them and we dedicate ourselves to them. And then in the next breath, we often don't even talk to them or get to know them or care if their child gets a cold. The value of family in a congregation or in a a church like this is that when you face hard times or trials or difficulties that you do it together. I can't tell you how many times I have heard said in this place how great it is to feel like when you're going through something, you're not going through it alone. Now, that doesn't mean that you are up in everybody's business, right? It doesn't mean that every single person in here is in the business of every other single person here, but what it means is you are are connected to somebody. And if you're not connected to somebody, then we as a congregation are providing you opportunities to get there. That's why we push so heavily in the small groups. And and I'm proud to tell you that at One Love Church, almost 70% of the people who go to One Love Church, and we have about 200 people who go to church here, almost 70% of those people end up in a group. How cool is that? We've got groups right now that we're begging somebody to put them in their house because there's too many people in the group. It should be really three or four groups. But the fact of the matter is, is we have learned and figured out as a people that that's where community happens, right? That's where I first got to know Stone, who took me to this beautiful little Mexican place where I thought for sure I was going to die. Right, Stone? What's the name of that place? I don't even know how to say that. But the fact of the matter is, it's the best Mexican I've had in my life. Like, literally, I left there, and I thought to myself, I could die right here, and I'd be happy. In the arms of Stone, happy. But I didn't know Stone before our group, right, Stone? Those relationships build, in those times, and those moments where you get together and learn and know each other, that's family. That's important. Look at, look at Romans chapter 15, verses 6 and 7. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you. Why? So that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Isn't that incredible? May our dependably steady and warmly personal God. What's he saying there? Remember the God who came and sent his son? Do you remember that moment that just happened, right? The resurrection of Christ. Why did he do that? Because he wants to be involved with your life. He wants you to be involved with what he wants to do through you. That love connection is deeply intimate and personal. It is family. And our Father, right? We call him our Father. Our Heavenly Father is so incredibly concerned with your spiritual maturity. Why? So that you can get along with each other. Like, Christ got along with us. Look, look how it continues. Then we will be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. How cool is that? You know, we don't have a choir at One Love. We had a choir of one this morning. And she did a beautiful job. But we don't have a choir at One Love. We don't have people stand up here in robes, right, sit in the chairs. Greg, have you ever been in the choir? Uh, years and years and years and years ago. Did you wear the robes? I don't think so. You, you refused the robe? I don't think we had to wear it. You talking about a Huber church? Oh, there were robes. <laughs> I wore the robes. I know you wore the robes. Why? So that we can reach out and welcome. Go ahead, miss. You can go to that one. So that we can reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Do you see the full circle of discipleship now? Here's how it happens. The first thing is that you understand and welcome. We've talked about this for the last two weeks, that Jesus is your savior. That his resurrection was real and that you believe in that. And the Bible tells us that if you believe, you will be saved. Then the process of discipleship starts, right? Because what we're about to study in Acts was how the Holy Spirit empowered those men and women to become disciples. Not just believers, but disciples. So what does that really look like? It looks like family. It starts in this way. You have to first understand that you are a part of a movement, and it is a choir, a beautiful choir of other believers who show up here on a weekly basis and they worship together. But here's the great part about it. Why is it all in motion? So that you can get along with each other the way that Jesus got along with all of us. Why? Because he built intimacy with us. We got to know him better. He became our brother in Christ and then our savior. And because of that experience with him, I am now willing to give my life so that others can become disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, the circle of discipleship has to begin with the fundamental belief that I just want to live life with you. I want to be your brother. I want to hug you when you're down. I want to listen to you when you're frustrated. I want to be the complaint system of your soul. And on the other part of that, I need to know that you're there when I need you. I need to know that when I just need somebody to hang out with or to talk to or I just need to go get a burger, that I can call you. And I know that you're not available to me 100% of the time whenever I need you. But maybe, maybe every now and then, just that one time that I really reach out to you, there will be somewhere on the other end. There will be a brother in Christ who answers the phone and says, I'll take you to go get something to eat. Even when they say, I'm not sure about that place, they'll say, come on, let's go, right? That's what being a brother and sister in Christ is all about. That's why we hug each other. It's not a superficial thing that we do when you walk inside the door. It's because I legitimately want you to know that I love you. I legitimately love you. You are a part of my life. You're a part of my being. You're a part of what we are doing here. And so that movement that we are all a part of as disciples of Jesus Christ has empowered me to do what God has created me to do. And you are a major part of that. And listen, I can't always be there for you. I'm on call as much as I can be. But look around of you. There's a lot of us here and half of us aren't even here today. Right? (laughs) There's a lot of us. So I can't be all that you need me to be. There are moments when you're going to need me that I'm just not going to be able to be there for you. That's why you need each other. Because I'm here to tell you, what happened in Acts is still happening today. The movement is more alive today than it's ever been. The church is under as much attack now as it has ever been. And you stand in the middle of that fire, not alone, but with brothers and sisters who will sit around with you. And the Holy Spirit will not just come upon you, but he will come upon us. And we will do great things in the name of Jesus Christ together. And one day people will look back as they do that little altar out front that's not only at this church now, but at another church as well. But they will look at that and they will say, look what God did. Not look what one love did. But on the contrary to that, if we feud, if we fight, if we look for the negative, if we look for the bad, if we give value to things that are invaluable, then we will stall and people will say, look at what they did. Do you see the difference? God's family must function as a healthy one. That's why Jesus' ministry so often pointed to our health of our spirit and the health of our spiritual nature. Because he knew and understood and was trying to teach those stick-headed individuals like us how important it is to be a healthy movement of the Spirit of God. So church, here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to begin to think about what is your place in this body? Who are the people in your life here or maybe not even here who have reached out and helped you spiritually and who are the people that maybe you would like to connect with here who are the people that you would like to connect with and maybe you don't even know them or know their names right now but you think to yourself maybe I should extend a hand and a handshake and just say hey maybe sometime my wife and I and kids can go with you and your wife and kids and get something to eat you may not even know each other I did not know nor trust Stone when he first took me to that restaurant (laughs) But I, I'll tell you right now, both Stone and Grace, they're, that, they are my brother and sister in Christ. I love them. But I've spent time with them. Not enough. Not enough. And they know how crazy I am. And here's the crazy part. They still come and show up and love on me. <laughs> right? As much as I embarrass them or tease them, they understand that that's just how Brad operates. Because they know me. They don't get offended when I call them up here on the stage and say, what are your intentions with my sister? Because they know me. My, My challenge to you, I'm sorry, let me get back to it. I got off course. My challenge to you is this. Make a commitment to each other. That could be a small intimate circle of friends. That could be the larger community. But make a commitment. Because what we are about to travel through in Acts is going to stir some of your foundations because it's going to ask you, are you doing enough? It's going to start talking about your faith in action. And we're going to look at the disciples who not only lived in an amazing, empowering moment, but who were also murdered for that amazing, empowering moment. We're going to look at persecution in a whole new way. We're going to stop looking in the mirror and saying, well, those people don't believe me and think that that's persecution. And we're also going to stand up and understand what God has called us into and the power that should be walking through us at all times that we refuse to even acknowledge exists most of the time. Matter of fact, we have wiped out the Holy Spirit and renamed him luck or chance. So church, that's my challenge embrace family embrace family will you stand with me this is the difficult part about all this some of you grew up in a not so good family Some of you grew up without a dad or maybe without a mom. Some of you grew up and you can't understand family or family has been a challenge for you. And so here's what I want to encourage you with. I want to encourage you by telling you this, that you're not gonna find the perfect family here. And the expectation for you to be a perfect family member here, I know is just a a crazy expectation. The truth of it is it's the effort that you put in that is important. You know, we tell people all the time, Jesus didn't make you a Christian at a perfect moment in your life. He's not going to ask you to become a participant as a disciple at a perfect moment in your life. But what he is going to say is, I will, if you trust me, equip you to be exactly who you need to be in the family that I have put you in. And that's a completely different promise altogether. Because church, i tell you right now, I know the weight that lays on believers. And I know what it means to read that Bible and to think how perfect your lifestyle has got to be. But I also read the true promises in there, not the false ones that people put in your ear, but the true promises, like the ones who say that I will be with you. I will bring you peace and freedom. Those promises that say you will have a new heart the breath of life that will come into your body. I listen to the prophets who came before us who dictate to us things like this. You will be a mighty movement of believers. And I pray for moments like we're going to talk about in Acts where the Holy Spirit just lays upon us and does mighty things through us, things that we don't even understand. We'll get to that. But here's what I know. I know that no matter where we go, No matter what we talk about, no matter what we do, we do it together. No matter where we move, we do it together. So in the in the spirit of that, our brother Mike Adkins lost his brother. Yesterday, Mike? Mike Marshall, Marshall, I'm sorry. I was thinking of you, Mike, sorry. (laughs) Mike Marshall lost his brother. Was it yesterday? Wednesday. Wednesday. He had cancer. So here's what i like to do. Let's just pray for his family. And that's how we'll close the service today and then we'll have a little bit more worship and and we'll get out of here. But I want you to know before we do that that if you could keep his family in your prayers for the week, we all know how difficult that is. Uh, So if you could keep him in your prayers, I'd appreciate that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mike and for Valerie and for their family. We thank you, Father, for relationships, and family. We thank you, God, for the embarrassing times and the good times and the fun times and the times of rejoicing. But God, we also thank you for the times of mourning where as a family we can come together and pray for our brother who has lost his. And God, pray that you would comfort them and that they would know if there's anything we can do. That, Father, you would lay it on their heart to ask us. God, we do it because we love them as our brother and sister in Christ. And we thank you for all that you are going to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.